which means blessings to you from Wales and from Falderbrennan. And that almost exhausts the whole of my Welsh vocabulary. <laughs> Not quite, but, but almost. Well, it's really good to, to be here with you. And uh, if I can find the right page here, because I <coughs> dropped it, it'd be really, really good. How many of you here, because I, I couldn't see properly before, uh, how many of you are here from uh, Kidlington? Hey, okay. I came to faith in Kidlington. Okay. Where, when I was a boy, about six years ago. <laughs> and uh, the Baptist Church in Kidlington, when I was a boy living in Kidlington, uh, the Baptist Church there was a, uh, an old Nissen hut in a field uh, up what was called the Moors. And my father was church secretary there. Uh, he was involved in planting that. And then some years later we went back to Kidlington for, for the laying of the foundation for the new Baptist Church there. And one day when I was about, I don't know, about eight or nine, uh, an illiterate guy came to preach and we were always fascinated as children because he would come and he would announce the hymns and the number and he would uh, uh, recite the first verse, he would recite the readings, he would pray fine and he would speak but without notes or anything because he couldn't read and that was fascinating and on this particular Sunday I can't remember now uh, what it was that he said but I remember my parents being quite disconcerted when we got home and I said please I just want to be left alone I want to go to my room and I remember 8 or 9 years old kneeling at the side of my bed and saying Lord Jesus I want to let go of my life and live for you I want you to rule over me and uh, I'll go wherever you want me to go and I'll be whatever you want me to be And the years since then, really, I think have been largely unpacking what I said then. I'm beginning to understand what was involved and what was, what God was looking for. So it's really great to, to be here in Oxford. I, I remember as a lad, um, I haven't been there for so long, and I don't even know whether it's still there in Oxford. New Road Baptist Church? Is it still there? Yeah. And I remember we would have regional, um, anniversaries there and children's events and so on and and in those days I don't know what it's like now but um, the, the the key leaders in the churches locally would come in all in their gowns all with different colored stoles and all carrying mountains of books and one of my childhood memories is of this procession and the first man going up into the pulpit with his pile of books ready to start the service and he was halfway up the steps into the pulpit, and he tripped and fell. And the books went everywhere, and there was a scurrying while people tried to find all the books, and he was trying to find whether the bookmarks were still in the right places. And he went up and set this big pile of books down. And then he turned and said, I want to welcome you, and announced the first hymn, Courage, Brother, Do Not Stumble. <laughs> So that's one of, but another good reason for being here is because uh, it's good to be 
um, in Oxford with Oxford Community Church because I've met some of you. Simon and Gaynor, I've been with them. They've been with me. We've been abroad together. Um, and uh, I've been in Derby with them. And we saw the Spirit of God move. And uh, there are others of you here who I've met and uh, uh, have been with me in various nations. So it's really good having heard so much, um, mainly initially of KBC, but of Oxford Community Church as well, uh, to be here with you. Let's pray for a moment. Father, we're not looking for triviality and... uh, We're not looking for froth or surface stuff. We are looking for your kingdom. We ask you to breathe your Holy Spirit afresh upon us both this morning and this evening. That your kingdom may come in renewed power, with renewed force, with breakthrough. That the floods may come. And the flowers may remain in blossom. Will you please come move amongst us. Father, right now. Holy Spirit, I ask in Jesus' name. That as we share together from your word now. And as we consider some of the stories of what you're doing. Will you, Holy Spirit, move upon our hearts. Will you convict us, heal us, rescue us. Redeem us, transform us, lift us out of complacency. Just as we consider your word. Holy Spirit, come now. Move now. Keep moving now. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, I must tell you that uh, Tim Morris, many of you will know, sends his greetings. Uh, Tim works with me on our missions program, uh, which is called Transmed. And uh, Mark and Beth, some of you will know. And Mark and Beth moved uh, from here, oh gosh, what, six months ago, to work with us at Falder Brennan. And they've fitted in very well indeed, and uh, they send their love as well. Okay. We had our monthly prayer meeting on Tuesday. We, uh, we meet for prayer, uh, from half past ten or thereabouts. We're a bit like you, half past ten to quarter to eleven, something like that. But we try and finish at three o'clock. It doesn't usually work out nowadays quite so, so well on the time, but we aim to finish at three o'clock. And that's what we do. We break for an hour in between. We're we're casual. We worship. We pray. We pray all together. We pray in groups. And we look for the Lord and we look at his word together. And we have ministry opportunities. So half past ten till three o'clock. And until, I suppose, a couple of years ago, we would say, has anybody come further than 45 miles? Now, if you haven't been to Falder Brennan... Falder Brennan itself is 600 feet up the side of a hill that rises to 1,200 feet. So if you walk from us straight onto the hillside and up onto the ridge, you look down 1,000 or 1,200 feet, depending where you are on the ridge, at the sea. So we're at the ends of the earth. 
If you're back in Falderbrennan and you look down uh, into the valley below and across the hillside across, you see the very odd house. You see thousands of sheep. You might see wild horses. You might see a few cattle. But we are really remote. There's no public transport. But very amazingly, the, the, the station that would be nearest to us, which is seven or eight miles away cross country, so it takes a good half an hour to get there from where we are, that has had one train a day in daytime, actually had two trains a day, had one that got in at half past twelve-ish, one o'clock in the middle of the day, and another one that got in half past twelve-ish in the night. Well, we'll forget about that one. So really public transport now. And suddenly a few months ago, British Rail, at this remote little place, decided they were going to increase the trains to five a day which is very helpful. Others have come to us and said, you know, the, uh, the Air Force have recently let go of the, uh, their, their um, aerodrome up there. Um, how about Falderbrennan taking it over? And uh, we'll have Falderbrennan International Airport. Well, we've forgotten about it. Anyway, back, back to our, uh, our prayer day. 45 miles for where we are is our local area. If you're going shopping, you might go 45 miles to get to the shops, okay? So for us, that's just local. So to say has anybody come more than 45 miles would be somebody has come who isn't local. And somebody would say sometimes, I've come 55 miles. Wow, and everybody would cheer. But nowadays, as we did on Tuesday, we'd say, who's come further than 100 miles? And almost everybody would put their hands up. 500 miles, lots would put up their hands. 1,000 miles, lots would put up their hands. 2,000 miles, lots would put up their hands. And we think this is crazy. And it is from the human point of view, it appears to me. We, we had uh, a little while ago uh, somebody come up at one lunchtime to us very excitedly and said, so thrilled to be here for your prayer day. Actually, our church paid for us to come. I said, that's great. So where have you come from? Thinking, my goodness, maybe they've even come from London. Uh, Australia. And they've come to be with us from half past ten till three o'clock. And uh, most months we will have people from, uh, from Africa, from Asia, um, very often from America, very, very often um, from Korea, Uh, from Singapore, lots of people from Singapore, almost always from Australia, from New Zealand, just to be with us from half past ten to three o'clock. And you know, the first thing that happened for me when that started to happen was a sense of panic. Lord, uh, what was going on underneath was help. These people are going, they, they obviously don't know what they're coming to, this tiny little remote place this valley, we, we can't all meet. Uh, if we meet to pray, there's far too many of us to gather at Falderbrennan. So we use one of, of several uh, chapels that we use in the vicinity. So, um, so we think, uh, Lord, you know, do they realize you know, how small this is? This little remote place, do they think this big international gathering? No, no, it's just a little prayer meeting, you see. And what was going on underneath was, how do we perform to justify people coming thousands of miles from half past ten to three o'clock. And 
And the first time I was conscious of people from many nations being there, a note of panic, and I thought, but at least we always have a fabulous time of worship. Worship? <coughs> worship was non-existent. It was dreadful. But no. And so you work harder to try and stir up people and to get the worship going. Just didn't flow. It's absolutely appalling. Oh, Lord, what's going on here? So by the time we got to the end, and the worship had never broken through, never done anything. God, this is awful. And then all the visitors started charging in. We've never been in worship like it. We didn't know you could worship. We thought, oh, hang on then. Something was going on for the visitors that was different to what was going on for us. And then God, just as I cried out to him, gave me a picture. And it was of a huge trestle table. And he said, Roy, do you trust me? I said, yeah, of course I trust you. He said, well, I'm drawing people in on these days to feast on me. That's why they're coming. Okay. He said, what do you want your role to be? And I said, well, what do you mean? He said, well, I'll tell you how I'd like it to be. I'm calling the people and I'm preparing the food that is the right food for them where they are. And some of them can just manage one stick of a Kit Kat. And that's sufficient. Others need a chicken leg. Others, there's a whole feast for them. And I will determine on any one day what I want to prepare and give them because it fits them exactly. What I'd like you to do is simply to serve whatever I give. Is that okay with you? Oh, yes, Lord. So now we go... Uh, carefree uh, when we meet Um, we've got some meetings going on this week and we've got people from coming from America and Australia and uh, I don't know where else in other nations just to this gathering of leaders of a missional community Um, and instead of now thinking my goodness it's now Lord it's going to be really fun to see what you do because it's not me that's presenting anything. I'm, I'm just putting on the table whatever it is, whether I think it's great or whether I find it perhaps a little bit disappointing from my point of view. doesn't matter, because he knows what he's doing. And so people are gathering. And as they're gathering, God is just doing the most remarkable things. And one of the things that, that we're, I suppose, reveling in at the moment is a wave of healing that's taking place. Now, there's been a wave of healing for a number of years. And, and we're in this strange situation where I say publicly all the time, you need to understand that Felderbrennan is not a healing center. Um, we, are, we are a house of prayer, a missional house of prayer. Nonetheless, day after day after day after day, people are getting healed, and, and it's absolutely wonderful. And, and God plays tricks with us sometimes. Um, uh, that's, that's a vocabulary that I use um, but I think he just has fun with us as his children and I was telling somebody earlier in the week that one of the team members was, was talking uh, with some visitors and, and they were asking and they were asking about the idea of, of Jesus healing today which was quite new to them and they were asking a team member who's quite new and um, really, in many ways, a very immature Christian, but, but learning and growing as God works with this person. 
And they said to her, and what would you do if, if it was a case of broken bones? How would you minister in that case? And she said, well, I've, I've never been in that kind of situation, but I know what Roy and Daphne would do. Um, they would just say, bones in the name of Jesus, be knitted together and whole. And that's what they would do. I said, oh, right. Right, okay, that's different. End of conversation, she went back to work, guests went off. She was summoned to uh, by another team member. Would you come and just have a word with them? They've got something they want to tell you. And uh, the woman of the couple said, see my thumb? Yes. Well, that's the thumb that is broken and immobile uh, that I'm going into hospital tomorrow for an operation to see if they can make it move. It's uh, totally okay. And my big toe, which has been broken for about 20 years, is no longer broken, look. And God just loves to do something. Well, well, healing and wonderful healing, cancer, I mean, just all sorts of stuff. The ears open has been going on for, for, for several years. But what God is doing with us now is he's bringing people who are, who are at death's door, people who are long-term ill. And so, for instance, um, there was quite a lot of conversation and preparations at our, our gathering on Tuesday, a bed had to be taken and laid at the back, and uh, uh, because a lady was being brought, who's been in bed in for many many years, very very seriously ill, and she was brought in and laid on the bed, oxygen, um, and uh, and and she just laid there, and Daphne uh, had some others, and they just blessed her and ministered to her. She laid there on the bed during our time. And then at the end, uh, her husband helped her up uh, into a wheelchair, wheeled her to the front at the time of ministry. And it was just so wonderful to say to her, in the name of Jesus, up you get, and up she got. And uh, we, uh, we just ministered to her for a few moments. And then her husband held her. And Daphne took one hand and I took the other hand. And held on to her. And her arms were like this. And she was quite stiff. And she had struggled struggle to move her, her feet. We just had blessed her legs and her to be strengthened. And then we started to walk her. Whilst we kept talking to her in front of her. And we were halfway down the hall. And we said, uh, what's the furthest over the last few years that you've ever been able to walk? And she said, well, with some difficulty in help to my bathroom. I said, oh, is that right? And then we got her to turn and just look back and say, have you walked further than your bathroom? She looked, oh, my goodness, yes. And we just kept her going, gradually got strengthened. Well, I don't know, 20 minutes later, she's walking up and down uh, on her own. She, I noticed her at one point talking to people like this, just sort of casual stance. <laughs> the next day, she came up to Falderbrennan on the hillside, and uh, I wasn't there. But the team were telling me excitedly she's walking the hill. She was just running up and down the stairs, absolutely free. Isn't God good? Well, I don't think he's good. I think he is absolutely outrageous. <laughs> I think he's absolutely crazy. Now, there's a, a lady here um, who, who came up on stage and brought a word about a horse. Yes, thank you. And it was a, a brilliant, a, a, a wonderful word and a really good revelation. But there was one thing that, that slipped in. 
because she did what we all tend to do when we bring um, a, a word from the Lord. She added a little bit in because it sounded common sense. But actually, it was common sense. It was not part of the revelation. And I want to restate it. And I want to bless you as I do that for the picture you brought. I think it is such a word for you as a congregation and a movement as well. But for many of you as individuals, this picture of the horse, the reins, um, and holding on to the, to the reins, what are you going to do? But, but the bit that you added in, which is purely natural, and it's, it's almost always what we all do when we bring a, a, a word to someone, because it's still flowing from our flesh. Um, it was, of course, we're not talking about danger and risk and so on, but, but actually, it is. And the challenge to you that I believe God is bringing to you is not to loosen the reins, but it is actually to let go of the reins and hang on to the mane, the horse's mane, and abandon yourself. It is about abandonment. And take the risk and go into the danger of the unknown. Because this horse, the Holy Spirit, is untamed. He's wild. The moment we try and use any kind of rain, the whole issue of control arises. And the moment we begin to control, we confine and grieve the Holy Spirit. It is exactly abandonment that Jesus is longing for. The call the summons of Jesus to you, the moment he calls you to follow him, is absolutely a call to abandonment. If anyone doesn't uh, hate his family, his loved ones, leave them, leave their homes, what's he talking about? He's saying everything the world holds dear and everything that is normal, decent culture. You abandon yourself, you let go of it, and you say, what I'm hanging on to is, is not that. I'm not going to live as the world lives. I'm not going to live in the life and the culture of this world anymore. This is a complete new build beginning. What I'm going to do is mount the horse, the wild untamed horse, hang on to his mane and give him freedom to be who he is. And I want to challenge you to do that. For some of you, it's the secret of your future. And nothing else will really release you into what God has best planned for you for the future. You can learn. You can be the world's greatest student of the Bible. You can have thousands of people lay hands on you and commission you. And you can go out with knowledge and certainty and having been blessed, you can be ordained. Uh, You can go with the backing and the support, financial, but every other way as well, of a million people. 
But unless you are utterly abandoned to the kingdom of God, you're not walking in your destiny. You're not walking in the freedom of the children of God. And therefore, what you bring to others will be limited and shaped. And they too will be unable to let go of the reins. Because they will become like you. Does this make sense? And one of the challenges for us at Falder Brennan is to keep saying, God, will you please do whatever you want to do? And, and here's the crunch, will you do it the way you want to? And that means that sometimes God does not do it in the way that we want him to. I grew up with this whole thing of of decency. You know, all things should be done decently and in order. But but we've taken that word that Paul used to make it something else. We've made it middle class English. Martin Lloyd Jones said the f- the second fall of the church. Constantine brought the first fall. The second fall of the church was uh, in the Western world was in the Victorian era when the whole concept of decency robbed the church of the presence of life of the Holy Spirit. Why not abandon ourselves and God say, Lord, not only do we want you to do whatever you want to do, but we want you to do it in the way that you want to do it. We, we had a group of Eritreans staying with us and, uh, and they were having a, an experience where wherever they were in the center at Falder Brennan, whenever they stopped and prayed, gold started to fall on them. And a very, very reserved English Christian visitor arrived and met them. And, and they were talking excitedly and saying there's strange things going on. But for this very reserved English lady, it was, what have I come into? This, this is weird. This, this surely can't be God. And so she excused herself from them and found a, a loo, went in, bolted the door made sure the lid was down, sat on it, and said, Lord, I don't know what I've come into. Is this a sort of alien thing? Is, is this some sort of very strange occult thing? That's go- and what's going on here? Lord, you would have to show me if this is your blessing. And then she got up, glanced down, and saw this pile of gold all the way around her feet. So much that she had to go and get a dustpan and brush. Sweep it all up. He said, okay, Lord, I think maybe this is you. (laughs) And sometimes we find things happening in a way that doesn't really appear decent. Do you understand what I mean by that? I'm I'm not talking about things being indecent. Simply that sometimes you say, God, why did you have to do it like that? But abandonment means, Lord, I'm yours. Everything I have is yours. Everything that makes me is yours. Thank you for whatever you've given me, whether I'm on the edge of poverty or whether I have plenty. Whatever it is, I just steward it anyway because I'm yours, so I'm the richest person in the world. I have nothing, yet enjoy everything. But if I have anything, I don't own it. 
I offer it to you. I steward it. It's just for you. What's the future going to look like? I don't know, Lord, because I'm not in charge. I'm not going to decide you are. My ears are open. I just want to follow you. So at Falder Brennan, we have a community arising now uh, within us and a scattered community around us. And we have a vision statement. Um, because what's going on at Falder Brennan, people going to faith um, and uh, remarkable things happening and uh, um, strange manifestations. You know, I, I take note when God does strange things. Like sometimes he, he sends rainbows. And um, Daphne was talking to somebody uh, and, and a guest who said, uh, God's told me I've got to walk down to the cross and he's going to meet, meet me there with a rainbow. And she looked out, there's a lovely clear blue sky. She said, really? And she goes, I walks down to the cross and this beautiful, beautiful rainbow comes. And uh, he's done many, many remarkable things just sending rainbows. So the local people have, have contacted us and said, you see those rainbows? It's not natural, is it? Was this God? I not think so. Uh, and the showering of gold and all sorts of, uh, of things that he does. We take note of it. We never ever pray for it. We never look at it. We, we observe it and see that, it, that when he does that, it seems to increase the faith of those who are there. So we bless it and say, thank you, Lord. But that's fine. We, we, we move on. But our vision statement is to raise up a people who seek the king and his kingdom first, live prayer-based lives, establish transformational missional community wherever possible, and impact their neighborhoods, regions, and nations for Jesus, who powerfully proclaim the blessings of heaven so that praise arises to God as heaven touches earth, resulting in captives being released, the oppressed set free, the lost found, the sick healed, the broken-hearted mended, and the poor hearing good news. That's our mission statement. Does that connect with you? And all this pours out of what God has been doing with us, how he's been shaking, shaping us, and with what he is doing. And if you think that that rather echoes Isaiah 61 and then the manifesto of Jesus in Luke's gospel, exactly, absolutely. Because his manifesto is our manifesto. So the word of God that says that when the kingdom of God, the inbreaking rule of God, the age to come that is already overshadowing the present, when it comes, it does not come in words. But it comes in power. So where we talk about the kingdom of God, where we're not simply talking about different values, um, and reading the Bible in a new way, or the way that we relate to, to, to Jesus and so on, but we're talking about the man, powerful manifestation of the age to come breaking in now. And the key to this is the coming of Jesus, who in coming ushered in the kingdom. Because suddenly, in Jesus is the first man of the new kingdom. So actually, he's the second man. Adam is the first man, but now there's a new beginning. So if you look at Mark's gospel, oh my goodness, look at the time. Uh, If you look at Mark's gospel, I said uh, to Steve that I was going to lay some foundations this morning. Actually, I'm just dealing with my introduction. Okay. 
beginning of Mark's gospel, in the beginning, it starts, the beginning of the gospel. You remember Genesis, in the beginning. John's gospel, in the beginning. Mark, the beginning. And, uh, and this is the beginning of the new beginning. A new thing has happened because Jesus has come. A whole new race is being raised up on earth that tears down strongholds, liberates people from captivity, heals the sick, lifts up the poor, speaks for those who have no voice, changes the face of the earth with power because they are clothed with power from on high. And this is not simply the power to speak in tongues. But the power to live, the power to minister transformationally already in the power of the age to come. Because the earth is being transformed, everything is being redeemed. And what Satan won through the fall, he lost through the resurrection ascension of Jesus. And we now are part of the invading army colonizing earth today with heaven so that our communities when we meet together like this are supposed to meet together not having much idea of what's going to go on because the king is in our midst now there are still things we want to do we want to worship how can you have a Christian gathering come on guys without notices and offering um, you know, we are Christians after all. But, uh, but when we can't say, what's going to happen? How is it going to end? We don't know because the king is here. And we're giving him permission to do what he wants to do. Now, <coughs> this is the beginning, the beginning. Jesus has started a new beginning. A new people now is going to be raised up. Not who are born differently of the flesh but now are born into the new man, Jesus. If anyone is in Christ, grafted in now, he's a new creation. Because this new creation is arising in the earth. Not confined to a physical place, the Garden of Eden, but now wherever people turn to him, grafted into him, is Eden, a new beginning. It is heaven touching earth. Now, I want to live a life of total and utter abandonment. But I must live with the presence of Jesus. I must know him. Not know about him. I must know him. I do want to learn and know more about him. But I must know him. That's the essential thing. I must know him. And that's got to be my number one call that I may know him. I want to push deeper into him. I want to know the Father. I want to know how to hide so closely in the Father that my ears ring with his heartbeat. And I want to fellowship so closely with the Holy Spirit that his voice sings to me, bringing the revelation of the Father. And having been with the three, the Trinity that is God, the holy community. I then want to walk out further into the world in the power and presence of the Trinity. 
Seeing the kingdom come. Carrying the presence of the Lord. What do you want to do with your life? How do you want to live? Because what I'm just describing is not supposed to be unusual or different. That is average in terms of the scriptures. That's what we're called into. So next week I want to, to see... I love telling stories because I think they illustrate the point. We, we took um, some friends who were visiting who were hoping they've got the house for sale and uh, they're, um, they're waiting to move into a new house by us to, to be part of the team with pastoral responsibility. Wonderful couple. And uh, we took them out on Wednesday evening uh, for a meal to, uh, uh, to an inn, country inn, uh, some miles away. And we were... Halfway through our meal, when the, uh, when the owner of the inn came over and said, how are you all? And uh, we send people to stay there, and uh, they feed people. They're feeding 80-odd people for us, uh, part of this coming week. And he just spoke to us. Anyway, as we got at the end of our first course, he came over and said, may I just come and join you? And without us saying yes, just sat down with us. We stopped our conversation dead. And this is our opportunity with these people who are going to join the team to sort of catch up. He said, "Uh, what's going on? I said, what do you mean? And he said, well, all I hear is these stories, these remarkable stories of of what's going on. He said, "Uh, and I see some of them. A member of his family had been up and visited us and God had met with him apparently. And uh, and then eventually he he managed to take our order himself for our, our dessert. Eventually our dessert came. We're just finishing our dessert, and he came. And then his wife came and joined us at the other end. Stopped the conversation again. I, why is God doing this? What is just so hungry? And we're thinking, well, this is great. But actually, we we need to finish this stuff with these people because we're not going to see them again. Uh, for quite a while and so I said I'll short circuit this so I just looked at them and said why don't you come to an event oh yes please got them it's up to God God will meet with them it's dangerous to come near the stuff that we do because God is there you know we have people who come uh, who get out of their car you know jolly merry Christians and they get out of their car maybe having having travelled several hundred miles the moment their feet touch the ground there's a demonic manifestation and demons screaming and saying what are you doing bringing us here and they leave and people are set free I haven't met anybody I've spoke to them sometimes it's just one foot that's just touched the ground other people who've come um, we've had seasons of people coming uh, to work uh, not as part of the team but to work on the buildings or uh, on the utilities or whatever who've turned around and left I say it's too frightening to be with you we can't be there uh, it starts to do strange things inside of us I've had Christians who've arrived to stay for a few days who've left within an hour I didn't know we got to deal with God like this. He has made my sin so plain and I will not respond. So I've got to leave. It's a frightening sort of place. And then all around us, 
We just have people who are saved and healed. Many of whom we never meet, never see. They come, they're immediately healed, so they get in the car and leave again. And maybe a year later we hear about their stories. Um, I want to tell more stories, but I'm told I need to release you because it's half past twelve. Um, I'd, I'd said to Steve, I just wanted to set a few foundations this morning. I'm not sure I've really managed to do that. Um, but I want to dig in. This evening, I'm going to have ministry then. But I just want to ask you this. Guys, what are you personally doing with the reins? What sort of a hold do you have on the horse? Is it a a tight hold on the reins? Have you pulled the horse's head in so he just trots? Have you loosened the reins just a little bit? Do you feel comfortable with where you are? See, when I walked in this morning, I said, Father, what do you want to say to these people? I said, tell them this, for goodness sake, it's time you woke up. I said, okay, Lord. Um, I asked Steve's permission to tell you this. And uh, I said, but what do you mean? He said, well, they're doing good stuff. They're worshipping me, they're following me. They're going out, they're sending people. What they're doing is good. But they're satisfied to do it almost in their sleep. And God wants to say to you guys, this isn't it. It's a form as it is. A very orthodox form. It's a very good form. But God is saying, wake up. Abandon yourself to me. Don't loosen the reins. Let go of reins. Throw them over the horse's head. Hang on to the mane and say, Holy Spirit, I trust you. Lord Jesus, I trust you. Father, I trust you. Now you take me and we can gallop, we can canter, we can trot, we can stand, we can feed, we can have the breath in our uh, hair. (laughs) We can hang on to the mane for dear life. I say, wow, this is very dangerous as a massive hedge comes up. But hang on for your life because his plan is to take you on the ride of your life. He's not called you to live nice, comfortable lives. He's called you to to live utterly abandoned lives. Overshadowed by the power of the age to come now. He summoned you To bring good news to the poor, to heal the sick, to bring sight to the blind, hearing for the deaf, to raise up those who can't walk, to seize those who are at the point of death and lift them up again. We're seeing that happen at Falderbrennan. But this is his call for you, not to bring a nice orthodox and effective message of salvation to many full stop but to live radical lives of abandonment 
that means the people you win to Jesus will also live radical lives of abandonment where anything may go. Where the breath of the unexpected may be found. Where faith is spelt in two words. H-U-G-E R-I-S-K Huge risk. Will you live in huge risk for the king? I think I better stop because I'm five minutes past half past twelve. I'm going to ask you just to stand with me for a moment. If you're amongst those who may need to make a move, you've got children or whatever, please be free to do so. this morning I want to invite those of you who have ears to hear to ask yourself before the Lord how are you living your life? On a scale of 1 to 10 1 being the bottom run where would you rate yourself? In utter abandonment to the wild horse of the Holy Spirit. Where are you? Where's your security? Is it on the model of life that you look at and have deemed acceptable? Or is your security in the word of God? The promises of God, the faithfulness of God. For some of you, you're not sure what the future holds for you. And rather than speaking of the word of revelation, you know, when I was a student, I got fed up in the last term of this guy with a big voice who would keep us awake every night, getting out, oh God, where do you want me to go? Oh, oh dear, for hour after hour, night after night, I got really fed up. So I crept into his room early and hid in the wardrobe. <laughs> And uh, on, the, on the third, oh God, where do you want me to go? I boomed from within the wardrobe, go to Africa. <laughs> and it stopped, I would all be able to sleep. And uh, I slipped out. Well, last year, I met somebody who'd been a student with me who I had not seen for 40 years. Uh, that ages me, doesn't it? And so we were, we were swapping stories. And I said, did you ever hear about stuff? So, oh, yeah. And it was this guy, you see. I said, what happened to him? He had the most amazing revelation, you know. He went to Africa. <laughs> well, I just had to trust God for that. But you see, at the moment... <laughs> at, at the moment, what I'm saying to you is not in terms of where you're going to go in the future. But it's not a question of the word boom for the wardrobe or, or the amazing writing on the wall. But guys, the way you find your future is in utter abandonment. That's the way forward. Utter abandonment. I'll be anything. I'll give anything. I'll surrender anything. I'll go anywhere. I'll be anything. But I'm going to live for you, Jesus. And I live in your kingdom today. And I may have a, a foot in this world and a foot in the power of the age to come. But this is where I'm leaning. I'm leaning into the kingdom. 
And I'm leaning into Jesus. I'm leaning into his word. I'm leaning into the Father's heart. I'm leaning and resting in the Holy Spirit. Saying, oh, this is where I want to be. That as I walk with that lean into the kingdom, I may carry the kingdom with me wherever I am and wherever I go. So that there may be utter spontaneous outpourings of your presence, of revelation. That's where I want to live. And rather than building my model of life that says, by the time I get to 60, 65, whatever it is, this is where I want to be. I want to say, Lord, when I get to that age, I want to be utterly lost in you. Father, I want to be more buried in your heart then than I am today. That's where I want to be. That's my aim. That's one my intention. Lord, by the time I'm 80, I want to see so much of your kingdom breaking out on the earth. If I give my life to anything, then it's got to be something that has eternal value. It's the breaking into the kingdom that destroys the grip of the evil one, the blindness over the multitudes of people, and opens their eyes that... Not that they may hear about Jesus full stop, but that they may encounter him and know him and live transformed and transformational lives. Locked into Jesus. Where are you? Where are you? For some of you, you're thinking, um, I know that I have the sense that he's sort of preparing me to go. I don't know where he's going to send me. Don't worry about that. Abandon yourself to him. Just trust him and be with him as one who is sent where you are now. But grow in abandonment to him. When he's ready, he will open the door and he will lead you and make plain the way you should go. But relax in him. Don't get worked up and tense. But be passionate about Jesus. (laughs) Hunger for him. Abandon yourself to him. You know what happens when you abandon yourself to him? Oh, he abandons himself to you. Okay. As you seek to hold on to him, he wraps his arms around you and says, let's stay in this hug forever. Where are you today? I want to give you the opportunity to say I want to be utterly abandoned to him. We're going to do other stuff this evening, but this morning it's about abandonment. So uh, if you want to make a clear-cut commitment this morning that you want to be utterly abandoned to him, I want you just to come and join me here at the front. We're, we're not going to have a ministry team. I, I just want to stand with you and uh, just speak blessings over you in a moment. But if you want to say, Lord, I, I want to let go of what is normal or what might be expected and be utterly abandoned and lived in a, live in a new risk-taking abandoned state, will you just come uh, and join me? Um, we can pile in. Okay, it's not the coming... And being at the front that's important. It's the physical steps. Okay? It's the making those steps. It's the making the steps that says, yeah, I'm I'm expressing the fact, Lord. I walk out of where I've been. But now, anything goes, Lord. No more rains at all. I'm going to hang on to the main. And now I'm not in control, you are. It's not up to me. I'm not, I have no means anymore of steering the horse. 
but I'm going to hang on for dear life. I want to bless you as you make this response. Guys, I bless you in the name of Jesus. That as you choose to look at absolute surrender, abandonment, okay? It's more than surrender. It's abandonment. I bless you that the love of the Father and the graciousness of Jesus and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit may pour out in radical abandon upon you. Utter abandonment. Utter risk. Okay, guys? It may cost you. Ah, but not as much as it costs Jesus. Okay? It may cost you. But utter abandon. You know, the people who are going to live as as the Father is longing them to live are those who are abandoned to him. The people that are going to change the face of the earth with the coming in, the breaking into the kingdom are those who are abandoned to him. Those who are going to raise up a whole new generation that will change the world in their generation if Jesus hasn't come back are those who are abandoned who will be won by those who are abandoned to him. And so I speak to every stronghold over our lives of career, of image, of life, of success, of ambition. And I break the power and authority of those strongholds over your lives in the name of Jesus. The sense of self-esteem, of having a place because you're living your life within a certain kind of culture with its expectations. I break the power of that rubbish over you in the name of Jesus. That you may live abandoned to the culture of the kingdom, not abandoned to the culture of this world. (coughs) That you may become as nothing. As servants, yet filled with security and self-esteem, because you are the children of God himself, walking this world as kings. I bless you in the name of Jesus, that you may live in abandonment and freedom and joy, that the power of God may not simply be released within you, but upon you, clothing you, and through you to a multitude in the name of Jesus. And I bless you that when you come together corporately, you may come together in abandonment to worship and to pray. Not in decency, but in abandonment. So I bless you that the stronghold of decency over worship, over gatherings may be broken. That your gatherings themselves, wherever you may be, corporately here or in your own places, may be marked by abandonment to Jesus. So I bless you that the grace of the Lord Jesus may rest upon you, that you may keep walking in what you can never deserve. That as the grace of Jesus is poured out upon you, the lavish love of the Father 
may flood your heart and your mind. And the fellowship of the Holy Spirit deepen within you. So that you may be immersed in his presence. And an effective presence carrier for many. In Jesus' name. Amen.